Um, welcome. Welcome to Christ Community Church and to our church family. Uh, I'm happy that you're here. Not as happy as I am, but I'm happy to be here. And I just wanted to give a special word of thanks to Tommy and Patty and Derek and everybody that helped uh, Weldon and everybody that helped with uh, with the, the, the picnic or whatever you want to call it yesterday at Shelby Farms. We had a great crowd and uh, a great day and the Lord didn't let it rain uh, until we were through. And so it was just a, it was just a good, fun, yummy uh, uh, time together. And so anyway, if you came, thank you. And if you helped put it on, extra thank you. Um, Shirley, is there anything else I'm supposed to say? Uh, Kim, Jerry, Don, Kathy, and the list goes on and on. Alan, Colin, everybody that, that helped make everything happen back there. Bobby Womper, I don't want to leave him out. Uh, I'll get rebuked for that. Uh, everybody that helped put that on in the back, thank y'all very much for uh, all the yummy food this morning as well. Um, okay. I have been doing, I have stood here, well not necessarily in this exact room, but I have stood before the people of God for 42 years and talked about Easter. Long time, 42 times. This is my 42nd time. And um, I don't know that I've ever wrestled with what the Lord wanted me to share today like I have this time. Um, so you'll just have to sort of bear with me and uh, I'll, I'll share what I feel like I'm supposed to say and trust that God will use it. Um, the last, I guess it's been three weeks, if you've been with me, um, we've been talking about the idea of the blessings, whether you want to say blessing or whether you want to say blessings with an S, there are some differences, some significant differences, but we're not going to talk about that today. But we've been talking about uh, the blessing of God and how God in Genesis 1 and 2 created all of creation and filled it with His blessings. And then He created as sort of the apex of sort of showing off, he, he created us. He created His image bearers. And it's very obvious if you read Genesis 1 and 2 that God created the garden, all of creation, and in particular His image bearers for the purpose of pouring out upon creation in general and his image bearers in particular, he created all this with the intention, the plan of pouring out his blessings upon them. There's, a, there's an underlying message there that is very, very important. And that is that the God of the Bible is introduced to us I, let me stop and say this. I have been studying this for 42 years. I, I, longer than that. Longer than that. And 
I went to Bible college, two different Bible colleges. I went to Bible grad school. We spent all of our time not arguing because we weren't smart enough to do that, but we discussing and debating and reading different views on the what the days, the six days looked like and meant. How long were they? Were they 24 hours? Were they 100 billion years? We, we argued about all that. What is it? All these things related to the, to the finer details of Genesis 1 and 2. And I'm not saying that doesn't have a place. But in all of that study... And all of my reading and all of my personal study for 42 years, nobody ever brought to my attention the bigger, the deeper, the grander, the more spectacular message of Genesis 1 and 2, which is that the God of the Bible by nature, is a God of blessing. That's who He is. That's what He does. He has an infinite, ever-expanding universe of blessings that He delights in spilling out, pouring out, giving over to His creation, and in particular, his image bearers. Does the Bible present the idea that there are curses as well as blessings? Yes. And to, to pretend they're not there is wrong. It would be deceptive. It would be, un, uh, it would be wrong. I'll just say, uh, to, for me not to say that there are curses in the Bible. But I will say this to you without any hesitation. If you look at the sheer ink in the Bible that is devoted to the idea of God blessing and pouring out blessings versus the amount of ink that is involved in curses, it's, it's so small, it's, it's so negligible that it's... It's almost not worth mentioning. It would, be, it would not be honest not to mention it, but it's, it's... For me to describe to you the marriage that I've had to my wife for 40 years, and the thing that I focus on is the time that she... I'm making this up, but the time that she dropped a bowl of baked beans on the kitchen floor. That's what you're going to focus on? Out of the 40 years you've walked through life with her if you know her you're like you're an idiot that you would focus on that for folks to focus on the 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 curses the anger the the um, that part of what the bible presents to us about god you are number one you don't know the bible and number two you don't know the god of the bible and i say that Honestly, sincerely. Um, the God of the Bible. Yes, there are curses. 
But the, the, the weight of that focus is not on God putting curses on cities or He cursed Sodom and Gomorrah. He cursed the Ninevites or whoever, the Canaanites. The real message of the Bible related to curses is not God putting a curse on anybody or anything. The real message of the Bible related to that is people bring curses on themselves according to the Bible because people tell God no thank you. I don't want your blessings in your way and in your timing. I'll do it myself. Case in point, Adam and Eve. We'll do it our way. We know what blessings are. We know what's best for us. We want to do it our way. And they, not God. God brought no curse upon them. They opened the door to curse by telling God no thank you to His blessings. And yet, the reputation of the God that we just sang about who sent His Son to die for me and you is that He is angry. He's disappointed. He's the source of... You think, well, how do you know people think that? Let me read something to you real quickly. Precious, wonderful, dear friend of mine sent this to me a few days ago and I can't get it out of my mind. It's a New York Times op-ed that came was in the New, the New York Times a, a few days ago uh, and it was written by a dude named, um, well, Sucker Bill, I can't find his name. It doesn't matter who it is. Some dude that writes for the New York Times. It doesn't make any difference. Okay. <laughs> he, okay, his name is Shalom... Auslander. Okay? And uh, here's what he says. God, it seems, paints with a wide brush. He paints with a roller. In Egypt, said our rabbi when I was a child, he even killed the firstborn cattle. He killed the cows. If he were mortal, the God of the Jews, the Christians and the Muslims would be dragged to the Hague. And yet we praise him. We emulate him. We implore our children to be like him. Perhaps now, as missiles rain down and the dead are discovered in mass graves is a good time to stop emulating this hateful God. Perhaps we can stop teaching our... Perhaps we can stop extolling His brutality. Perhaps now is a good time to teach our children to pass over God and to be as unlike Him as possible. I don't know that guy from Adam's house cat. I'm not. This is, but that is the reputation of the, of the God of my Bible. That he's angry. That he's up in the heavens 
bolts of lightning and plagues and floods and wars. Why, if there's a God, why would he allow that? Why would he cause that? I'm not standing here today to present to you some argument that makes the pain of this world understandable or easy to swallow. It is confusing. It is frustrating. It is shaking and shattering for me. But that's why the Bible starts out day one, first page. The scroll that Moses was writing on, the ink wasn't even dry. And the very first thing he presents is this God that has an, a universe of blessing and delights in sharing it with his creation and his image bearers. Genesis 1 and 2 and the story of Easter, they reveal God's delight in filling creation and his image bearers with blessings. That's why Jeremiah in the Old Testament said, The Lord declares my plans for you are to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Paul in the New Testament said it this way. Same exact thing, just said it in different words. Paul said in Romans 8, that God did not spare His own Son, but sacrificed Him for us all, and He will graciously give us all things. As I thought about this idea in Genesis 1 and 2 of God's blessings, and then I thought about Easter and what it means, were two things that really, well, there were 50 things that stuck out to me. And I wish we had a week to hang out here and eat manna and drink water out of a rock and just talk about them, but we don't. And quail. Um, But there were two things that kept drawing my mind back to this story and I've mentioned to you, I've mentioned these to you, I think, in some way or, or other over the last three weeks. The first one being that Genesis 1 and 2 introduce us to this important idea that you later see in the story of Easter, and that is that God started everything with this plan of choosing one to be the source of blessing for many. That was God's plan. Take one and use that one. Fill that one with blessings and then use that one to be a source of blessing to others, to many. That's why God in Genesis 1 and 2, He tells Adam and Eve, He created all of creation and then He creates them and He says, I want to bless you. I want you to multiply. I want you to 
fill. I want you to expand. I want you to saturate the rest of creation with blessings. You're responsible for the blessing of the rest of creation. Well, that model, that idea runs through the rest of the Bible. You see this idea that God chooses one, one person, one family, one nation, and he uses that one, that couple, that one couple, that one family, that one nation. He, he wants to use the one to bless the many. He chose one man, Noah. He chose one couple, Abraham and Sarah. He chose one nation, the, the, the descendants of Jacob. He chose Israel. He chose Moses. He chose David. And each time he chose the one, he blessed their lives. But he did it with the intent that they would feel the weight of taking those blessings and blessing many. That message is started in Genesis 1 and 2, but it runs through the Old Testament, and then it, we get to the New Testament, and bang! We'll talk about it in a minute, but God is going to again choose one. And He will use that one to be the source of immeasurable blessing. The second thing that stood out to me this week was this idea that, both, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, God creates the garden and then he takes Adam and Eve and he puts them in this garden. He, he creates this place full of blessings. It's not a blank slate. It's not a blank piece of paper. It's not a barren field. And God says, now Adam and Eve, y'all go and make something of this. No, no, no. That's not what God said. God, God created this place of abundant uh, uh, blessings and then he puts them in there and he says, I want you to be responsible for blessing the rest of creation. But the idea is, just walk around and there'll be blessings. Grab an armload and bless another part of creation. And then walk, wake up one day and there's a big old bucket of blessings over here. Just take out of the abundance of blessings everywhere you look, everywhere you turn. And just, there's no cost. There's no sacrifice. There's no effort. Just, just walk around every day and when you see uh, 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 somewhere that doesn't have an overabundance of blessings, you just take a big armload of your blessings and put them over there. The one being the source of blessing for the many. What a great plan. Then Adam and Eve told God, no thanks. We don't like that plan. We're not sure you're for us. We're not sure that you love us. We're not sure that you're committed to us. We better be in charge. If we don't take care of ourselves, who will? And because of their rebellion, because of their selfishness, because of their fear, because of their unbelief, because of their independence, Everything changed. The plan didn't change. The plan that they were responsible for blessing the rest of creation. But now, 
Blessing demands cost. Blessing, by definition, to share it demands sacrifice. It's no longer natural. It's no longer free. It's no longer easy. Adam and Eve lost the blessings of the garden and now life, their roles of responsibility and their relationships are difficult. They're hard. They're full of conflict. They're disappointing. Now blessing cost. It demands. There is some type of laying down that must occur. Adam and Eve grabbed and screwed the whole thing up. So God creates a plan where they can still be the source of blessing because that's what they were created to do. That's who they are. They're the image of God. God is a God of blessing. So for them to, to even, even remotely resemble the, the one that they're in the image of, they have to be involved in blessing. But to do it now involves cost. Let me give you some examples. Now Adam and Eve are walking around the woods getting poison, poison ivy everywhere that they don't want to get poison ivy. They're buck naked and they're ashamed. They're in fear. They're hiding. And so to bless Adam and Eve with clothing, to give them a blessing, somebody has to pay a price. Somebody has to pay a cost. Somebody has to lay something down. And there was an animal, probably an animal that Adam and Eve had named, probably an animal that Adam and Eve knew well, probably an animal that they had affection for. There's every reason to believe that Adam and Eve knew with intimacy all the creatures in their creation. And yet one of those animals God took and killed to bless Adam and Eve with clothing. You see this pattern run through the Old Testament. The ones God called to be a source of blessing, oh my goodness, the cost they had to pay. The price they had to pay. Noah, he worked on this stinking boat for a hundred years, enduring the scorn and the ridicule and the mockery of everyone that lived around him. Abraham, all the cost and price that he had to pay to be the father of our faith. Joseph, all that he had to go through and suffer and pay so that he could then be the, the, the means of blessing and redemption for his family and for that part of the world. Ruth. Esther, David, the Old Testament prophets. If you know the lives of the Old Testament Bible characters at all, these are people who God raised up, helped them understand their role as the means of blessing, but then to accomplish the task, what was asked of these people, you and I are unworthy to say their names. 
the price they paid to be a means of blessing. Back in Genesis 3, God makes Adam and Eve and all of their descendants, including us, a promise. Yes, Adam and Eve, you have screwed this deal up. You have lost the blessing as I intended. You've lost that experience. Or at least it's so tainted, so defiled, so darkened that it, it won't even seem like a blessing at times. At times. But there'll be a day. There'll be a day when I will send one of your descendants, Eve, and that one will come and will restore the blessing. He'll restore all the goodness, all the abundance, all the wonderfulness. He'll restore it back to the way it should have been and was that I d- delighted in it being. But it's going to cost him. It's going to cost him terribly. And he will willingly pay it. Is there a mom in this room that doesn't understand this idea? That to bless cost? Is there a dad in this room? Is there a child in this room? I watched my mom and I watched my mother-in-law for years, each for years. Be a blessing to my dad and to my father-in-law. Doing things for them that nobody should have to do. But they, they, were, they, they delighted in fulfilling the role of being a blessing to these two wonderful men. But it cost them. It cost them some of you in this room. In fact, every one of us in this room in various ways and to various degrees. We choose on a daily basis to be a means of blessing. And I'm talking about real I don't mean piddly, surface, shallow, uh, temporal blessings. I mean, if I'm going to be a blessing to you, a real, lasting, life-changing blessing, it's going to cost me. I understand that. That makes sense. And you understand it because you do it too. Well, the sad story of the Bible, at least the Old Testament is, that all these people that God raised up and called and blessed and asked, would you be the source of blessing? Would you be my source of blessing to restore what Adam and Eve messed up? There were many who said, I'll try. Not one succeeded. They, some of them did better than others. But nobody, nobody, nobody could come and do enough or sacrifice enough to change the broken world and put it back right. So God decided to do it Himself. And that's what John 3.16 is talking about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life, real life, lasting life, abundant life, a life of blessing. God had to send His Son 
to do what no one else could do. Jesus came and embraced that role that that animal in the garden had to embrace of dying to cover someone who is exposed and full of shame. Jesus embraced that exact same role. Jesus came and embraced that role of that ram that, that saved Isaac from the knife of Abraham. Jesus came and embraced that role of that little lamb, that family lamb that, that was killed and his blood was put on the door so that when the death angel covered, uh, 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 came over that family, that family was spared. Sacrifice was given. Great sacrifice. Real sacrifice. Painful sacrifice. By one so that another could experience blessing. And that's why it's so important that when, when you get to the book of John, the gospel of John, what's the very first thing John says about Jesus? He entered, his job, John the Baptist had one job. It only lasted six months. He only worked for six months. His one job, his one job was to introduce Jesus to the people of God. And so when he sees Jesus, first thing he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one we've been waiting on. This is the one God promised Adam and Eve about. This is the one that that ram and the, uh, that spared Isaac. This is this is him. This is the the Passover lamb. Every year we celebrate this Passover. Why? 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 Because God was telling us what this one would look like and what he would do in restoring the blessing. That's why in Romans five, Paul says, "Through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners." so also through one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Okay. I've got a lot of verses that I'd love to share with you. But I would just say this to you. I'll leave you with two challenges. Don't forget. Well, first of all, I'll leave you with the challenge. You were created by God for the purpose of being one who God wants to use as a source of blessing to many. That is why, if you are an image bearer of God Almighty, then that is who you are. That is, that is who you are, and that is what you're supposed to do, and what I'm supposed to do. The one, whether that's at the PTA meeting or in the investment office on Wall Street or the, the fry cook at Houston's or wherever you are, whatever you do, God's calling upon your life is for you and me to be one who... I, well, I'll wait on you to be a blessing first. 
Or, man, I'd love to be a blessing, Esther, but I'm so busy with my, my toys and my activities and all my other stuff, I just don't have time to really be a blessing. God says, but that's why you were created. Like birds were created to fly and fish were created to swim. You and I were created to be sources of blessing. The other thing that's true is blessings still cost greatly. They're not free. They're not cheap. They're not easy. They're not quick. They're not neat. They're not clean. To be a blessing, to fulfill my calling and your calling, it is going to cost us great. See, Jesus didn't just come and die. You understand that, right? Why didn't Jesus just float down on a cloud, jump up on a cross if he had to do that, and die real quick and then zoom back up to heaven? You'd think, well, if, that, if that's the big deal, why didn't he just do that? Why did he live 33 years? Why did he go through all the things? He, and that's because, according to Philippians chapter 2, and you can read this if you, want, if you would like to, I, I wish you would, Paul presents the idea that Jesus didn't just come to lay down and offer his body. He did that. And at the end of the day, it's the most important thing he did. But he laid down and offered so much more. He laid down his power. He laid down his holiness. He laid down his knowledge. That's why Jesus was saying things that he had never said for an eternity past. Who touched me? Who said that? He was asking. Jesus never asked a question. But God, the God of the Bible doesn't ask questions unless the God of the Bible laid down his knowledge. He laid down his rights, his privileges, his plans, his reputation, his control, his pleasures, unforgiveness, all of his resources. He laid down all of these things as a means of paying a cost so that he could be a means of blessing. And nothing's changed for a person in this room. If I'm going to be a blessing, a real blessing, a lasting blessing. It's not just me buying Tim dinner. It's not just stopping at the intersection and throwing some dude, a homeless dude, a buck. Nothing wrong with those things. It's not just buying my kids an Easter basket. Or my grandson, and it was a great basket. But nonetheless, that's a whole other thing. Uh, that's a whole other thing. It's living a life like Jesus lived where I get up in the morning and I embrace my, my calling, my purpose. And that is that every encounter, every situation, every difficult thing that I come to, God is calling me to be a blessing, a real blessing, a lasting blessing like Jesus who came and lived his life and was a blessing to every person he met every day that he lived. With the understanding and agreement, I'll pay the cost. I'll forgive when I don't want to. 
I will serve when I don't want to. I will love when I don't want to. I will not be so terrified of you slandering my reputation or misunderstanding my actions. I will lay down what I have to so that I can fulfill my calling of being one who's been blessed with the goal of then being a blessing to many. Why did Jesus come? He was one who came and lived and died so that his one life could be a source of eternal blessing to all people and to all creation. That's why Jesus isn't just coming down here to grab us all and take us back up to float around on clouds and wear halos and sing little heavenly songs. Only He could make right all of creation that Adam and Eve made wrong. But He has invited us to participate with Him in being a means of blessing to many with a willingness to pay the cost when it's demanded, when it's necessary. That's what stuck out at, to me. And I hope you'll think about that. I hope you'll think about that. Um, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, We take juice and bread and we eat these and drink these every Sunday because we declare through their symbol that our hope and trust is in the body and the shed blood of the Son of God and that we've experienced the forgiveness, the hope, the redemption, the restoration, the light, the healing that comes from having a relationship with Him. If today you uh, understand that, that makes sense to you, you go, yeah, I believe that. I believe that Jesus came as the Lamb of God and did for everyone what that ram did for Isaac. I believe that, and I've asked God to apply that to my life. If I'm going to get to heaven, it'll be because of what Jesus did on the cross. If that's your confidence, then I invite you to come in a minute and uh, eat and drink, remember and give thanks. Maybe today ought to be a day when you come and eat and drink and give thanks, but it's not so much to remember the past, but to think about the future. I'm going to start living differently. I'm tired of not being a blessing. And I'm tired of being a whining, complaining, embittered, shallow, petty, knothead, who stays upset because of the problems of the world rather than waking up with a plan and a purpose, and that is to be a blessing. I'm tired of that. 
I'm tired of being a whining, miserable person that makes everybody around me miserable. And I'm gonna, with God's help, I'm going to start different. I'm going to start doing different. Fox News and uh, CNN will no longer define who I am. It's sort of funny, but it ain't funny. There are people that I love with all my heart that I don't want to be around because Fox News and CNN define who they are. And they're no fun. They're no, they're no fun. They're angry and mean and I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be that person. I want to be a blessing. Not an anti-blessing. Maybe there's somebody today that's, man, I never even thought about Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. I never thought about Jesus coming to make right what Adam and Eve messed up. I never thought about the cost that he paid so that I could experience the blessings of God. But I'd like in on that. That, that deal sounds good. I invite you to come and take that which represents the body and the blood of Jesus and eat it and drink it, not because it's magical, but because of what it means. It means that my faith is now in the Son of God and what He did on the cross. Maybe today's the day that you make that decision. I said all I can say today, I guess. Um, you come. You come. Um, come to the middle and then go out that way because we don't have a log jam.